Welcome back to the activation phase. This is Tim speaking, and today we're talking about the last tournament in uh, good old Netherlands and uh, just last weekend. And I'm here with my co host JP. Hi, JP. Everyone. All right. Do you, I think this one was on T3. It had your name on it, but it was actually uh, hosted by, um, by Rutger, right? Um, it was you were not in the saddle this time, but you let another very very nice Dutch person do it for you. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, I took a little bit of a backseat here. I think we uh, <laughs> we put the scenarios together, or the scenario pack, and then except for that, I uh, I refused to do any toing um, as much as I could. Uh, so that that went well, and then uh, so I'm, I was pretty happy to be able to just focus on playing. A tournament instead of organizing tournaments. So, thanks, Rutger, for that. That was very, uh, very good. Maybe a little bit of background. So, this was a uh, Age of Crusades tournament. Right. Uh, we try the, I think it's called Alliterations. So, it's the um, Amersfoort Antioch Apocalypse. Adventure. Um, oh, was it, uh, oh, it was Adventure. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Um, and uh, so, three games, one day using the Polish Grand Melee scenarios. So we took the first three. We're going to talk about those scenarios and because um, they're, they're quite specific, very different from the, I guess, the Rog scenarios and also very different from just the standard Book of Battle scenarios. And they try to balance a number of things. So we're going to talk about what we found uh, yeah. about them. Um, and then we're going to talk about our games. Yes, that's so perfect. It was a, a pretty good uh, activation phase showing. Yes. The, so, yeah. change. Yeah. All right. So um, I reached out a few months ago to uh, to the organizer or one of the one of the guys organizing the Polish Grand Melee Jan. Uh, I've had him on the uh, YouTube channel as well to interview him about uh, the Polish Grand Melee and also on the uh, the Open that they hold. So they have a quite quite an active group, and they try to balance a number of the scenarios. So they came out with a, a pretty nice rules pack with five scenarios in total, and also some slightly modified uh, ways of uh, deploying and kind of like trying to get rid of the, the second player advantage for some of the things. So maybe um, starting off with just kind of overall changes in terms of setting up and everything else. Um, Basically, you roll off, you get to select whoever wins the, the roll off gets to select, whether they're the first player or the second player. Uh, you place the terrain using the, uh, the standard terrain uh, method. However, a second player starts off uh, placing terrain. Yeah. And you basically have exactly the same thing. You have to have at least minimum of three pieces, et cetera, et cetera. And you, except for that, it's the same as. Uh, the normal way of doing things and also um, the second player gets to roll three dice uh, and puts it on their board before the orders phase of the first player so you have a little bit of on, a few few dice on your board so you're not completely kind of like naked uh, your first turn if you're the second player however you can't do orders or activation um, uh, abilities, activation but, abilities at that time, right? Because it's like it's yeah, out of yeah, the game yeah. just before the game yeah, starts. Yeah, roll of, three dice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of a 
but you know, for example, if you have some melee abilities or shoot, uh, shooting reaction or something yeah. like that, you can. Yeah, reactions also as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty good, and then you lose as soon as you uh, die on your dice, basically. Yeah, and I think the this this thing with it with the second player being allowed to roll three dice and the first player being allowed to roll their full dice actually feels so nice because um, I think. I also like the the things that Rog Rog does right where you're where the first player gets like five dice in the first turn, or like three dice and the second player gets like five dice. I, I I get that, but this still while keeping it balanced rewards army building that gives you lots of dice without taking your fir- making your first two turns less interesting or less lethal, um, because the the second player gets to roll their three dice, and then the first player, if they have eight dice, go ahead. They can roll all, their, all of their eight dice. And I think that's that's basically... I think this, and big biggest props to the Polish guys, I think this is a great way to um, give the first player some power without kind of obviously being able to completely stomp the second player. So I think great uh, great scenario design uh, worked, worked for all of, all of three of them. And so, one one more thing that I think is uh, is in- interesting. All of these scenarios have you starting ha- has you starting L away from each other, right? There's no scenario where the where you start right close to the border. Not even in the extended four and five scenario that they uh, they they put in. So you're the that also kind of um, cavalry is really good right now. I think uh, at least most of the time. And that kind of gives them a little bit of a bumper because it's not as insane to be able to like if you deploy short from your edge to just run into the into the up into the board no problem within the first turn and the infantry armies will uh, be slow and will have to spend all their dice on moving and so this I think makes the scenarios where the actually the game starts from turn one and ends on the last turn and there's no early deciding or at least not as much um, and no turn one and two just running around to get to the middle like uh, the original feasting and pillaging has for example so i think just before we get into detail of them i think it this is probably my favorite scenario pack i've seen so far yeah also the amount of effort and play testing that went into it must have been pretty massive because it feels very balanced it, it absolutely does like I, I really didn't care either way if i was first or second with these ones yeah it does affect your gameplay but that's kind of within your um uh, your your own power and your own control as to what you do because a lot of the kind of what's different as well from the the I guess the normal scenarios is that you score in your opponent's or at the end of your opponent's turn yeah yeah so um, like a little bit of planning ahead and everything else is really required and also means that as the first player um, or sorry even as the second player you you really need to get in there get in, engaged as quickly as possible because you start scoring from the end of the um, the first player's turn. So basically, you yeah. really have to get up in the in their face as soon as as quickly as possible. And a lot of these scenarios really reward you for just getting getting in there, moving, and getting uh, yeah. yeah um, it's it's really all like about re- like. Yeah, like, like yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's like, all about the scenario. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the scenario is uh, an, an afterthought, like Absolutely, some of the other yeah. scenarios. Mm-hmm. Like in the Book of Battle, basically, it's like, okay, you kill your opponent, and then you, like, yeah, it's fine if you have, like, a, an objective or something, but it doesn't make that much <laughs> of a difference. 
But here, it's like you tend to score at, at every single turn. So you need to be achieving objectives every single turn. Otherwise, you're just way behind. And I think that balances some of these scenarios as well. Because um, I took the, the Polish faction. And um, basically, all you have to do is focus on the scenario itself. Like, yeah, uh, I don't think I, uh, at the end of any game, I had more than like one, one and a half points left on the board. But I just focus on the scenario. And, and that basically means that you... Yeah, can manage to get points basically. Yeah, yeah, it was. I I, I agree. I think the I, I took the pagan people, um, and it, it felt the same, right? I had to sacrifice small units to keep my opponent from scoring, even just for a turn or two. Sacrificing five warriors um, is not really an issue if I can deny them six points, and so that that just. It f the, the whole thing felt very tactical, and that's that's such a great thing to achieve with a scenario pack. So, yeah. All right, good. Let's move on to the scenarios itself. So the first one is called Take and Hold. Uh, the deployment is essentially like um, I guess you have to think about a feasting and, and pillaging type. You have three. It's change of plans, right? It's just change of plans. Oh right? yeah. yeah. The, um, for for the for the sorry, just for the deploy deployment zones, it's change of plans with the L from yeah. the borders, and then feasting and pillaging is the markers. Yeah, three yeah. markers in the middle. Sorry, you were going for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little <laughs> bit of a mix of both, um, but yeah. So the except for the markers, you can't move them. They're just placed there, mm -hmm. um, and uh, at the end of uh, or in your at the end of your opponent's turn, you score three massacre points for each objective marker that you control. Um, and uh, you get one bonus massacre point each time your unit wins a melee um, within kind of a, yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, within range sure. of the objective yeah. marker. Yeah, sure, of the objective marker. So if you're successfully defending it, you're uh, you're racking up points at the same time. If you're if you're bouncing people off the objectives and and pushing them away, you're also getting massacre points. So all in all, it's a pretty interesting way of of kind of dealing with it. Um, and yeah, so another thing with all of the scenarios is that they only use massacre points. So your objectives give you massacre points, and also you add up like what you actually kill from your uh, from your opponent, and and add that together to get the score. So it's um yeah makes it simpler uh but it does reward just yeah killing killing people at the same time so i think some of the the comments that we got from uh from the players was to see if there was other ways of uh maybe using conquest or survival or something like that but um yeah all in all i think it was pretty pretty positive uh you do have to really get up and start grabbing objectives as quickly as possible otherwise you lag behind incredibly quickly and also, I think massacre points are just honestly the best ones. And I mean, yes, I am an I am an aggressive type saga player, but the the survival points they reward such odd army building, where it's like the best possible way to put down five like just five warriors, or um, what is it like seven levies, uh, just just tons of those to. And then you you basically don't have to play the game because if you do that right, and your opponent ends up putting down like two six stacks of hearthguard, which is not uncommon. Um, you just you, they they are forced to do something because you will just win by not because you have like five points more than they do in survival points, just because of your army building. And I think massacre points just 
by their nature forces you, forces players to do something, and that's hey, that's great. Like uh, active games where it's not decided at all from the beginning who has an advantage. Damn, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, actually, maybe it's a good idea just to talk about our first games uh, while we're talking about the scenario. That way, mm-hmm. it's uh, fresh in people's minds. Yeah. So I'll let you do the honors. Right, I played into Pierre. Um, one of the guys from Belgium, and he played his Morse. And so the first scenario was, um, yeah, it was about getting close to the markers. And he, um, from my point of view, he deployed all of his cavalry uh, on the right side of the battlefield. And then I put down lots of terrain on the left side of the battlefield and not, not, not a lot of my stuff. And so I, I think before I, I can talk about this, you know, I kind of have to talk about my army composition. So I'll just do that real quick. I brought Pagan People with my Warlords, six Hearthguard that I ended up always putting on javelin on horses with javelins. Then a 12 stack of Warriors without equipment. Equipment, then a five stack of Warriors with bows, six stack of Warriors with bows, five stack of Warriors with bows, and then eight of the Scouts to kind of help uh, move through the terrain more quickly. And they also... Uh, profit from the incredible um, order that says you get two more attacks whenever you shoot or fight. And so the scouts love that ability because they get to throw their javelins for free and you can even do it twice without a bigger, that big of a hassle uh, because you can, yeah, you can activate them with the pagan people top right ability that says activate three units once they got touched a bit. So, um, yeah, that's... That's that's the army, and what I basically ended up doing was uh, the three mar- the three markers. I I put my my cavalry on my my hearthguard on cavalry or on horses, um, and hit them behind my twelve stack of warriors. And the twelve stack of warriors just from turn two, I think, started contesting the 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 rightmost marker, and then I ended up scoring many points quickly with that, and. Um, Pierre tried to get the other two markers, but my my archers were just positioned around those. So when he tried to when he tried to take those markers, I just ended up firing like I don't know like thirty arrows every every turn. And the only thing kind of stopping me from doing that was him him spamming fatigue. But he couldn't really use his his cavalry on the very right side of the battlefield because he was so scared that I was going to unleash my own cavalry once he charged with it, and my cavalry was un- untouchable for him, right, because they were hiding behind my warriors. And so I think it's uh, it-, it was maybe a bit of a bit more of a slow game because of all the fatigue the Moors spread, but it was uh, very interesting to be forced with an army uh, that doesn't really want to be <laughs> in in the open fighting for objectives. Um, like the pagan people are to still have to do that and kind of um, fight, f- find good traits so that I end up having models for longer than he does. And so that was such a cool game to do that. And he ended up not really using his cavalry at all because he was so scared of my cavalry. And I think that because cavalry of his was two and a half points and cavalry of mine was one and a half points. I basically played the game with <laughs> one point more uh, throughout the whole game, and that just ended up giving me the victory by like five points or whatever. So, great game, had lots of fun. Pierre was an absolute gentleman and loved it. Yeah, so I was playing the Polish, like I said. I took one and a half points of Hearthguard, 
Um, they have to be mounted, no special equipment. One and a half points of uh, levy. So I took uh, levy with bows, split in two units um, of, uh, of nine. One point of warriors mounted, one point of warriors with heavy weapons, and one point of the fanatical pilgrim mercenaries. Um, against uh, Robin, who had uh, Militis Christi, he had, I think, three points of Hearthguard, split into two units of six. And then uh, three points of warriors, since they can't have levies, and those were split into one unit on foot with um, no special equipment, one unit with crossbows of eight, and one unit of eight just uh, mounted. So... Um, that was a pretty quick, quick army. And then luckily for me, not that much shooting. Polish are quite vulnerable <laughs> to shooting. So I think I lucked out there, but he did place his um, uh, crossbowmen like right in the center of the field. So they were going to be a pain in the butt to, uh, to try and kill. So I think I was the second, um, the second player. So I uh, just deployed slightly out of range. I managed to put my, uh, my, my levy with bows into some ruins, and I also managed to take the, uh, uh, the rocky ground as well. So they were nice and safe. And then obviously, unfortunately, I have to have all my cavalry not inside, um, not inside any terrain. But anyway, so he was actually pretty slow and didn't move up his units on the first turn because I think he was scared of my uh, archers. And I had also put a hill, uh, rock, like a steep hill in the middle of his deployment zone. So he had to split up his warband. So he put uh, <laughs> one half points of Hearthguard on one side of the hill with a unit of warriors and then the rest on the other hill. So kind of the way that you deployed is the first player has to put half down. And then uh, second player has to put everything down. So I saw kind of where, where this was going. Um, and I think put like half of his... Uh, half of the units on, on one side of the hill. So I knew he kind of didn't have that much space on that side. So I decided to uh, load up uh, on, on the other side, basically, uh, and put like my hearth guard and my mounted warriors facing like his numerically uh, equal, but I think I could get the jump on them uh, force. So my plan was actually just to kind of deal with that, like one side of his board with my, uh, my hearth guard and warriors and then kind of pivot and then take the other side so it didn't quite work that way but um basically i charged his crossbowmen with my uh, fanatical pilgrims i think like turn one or two and then they basically bounced managed to kill one crossbowman and then i lost something like eight fanatical pilgrims in one go <laughs> which was uh, which was not ideal i'd also kind of messed up because i hadn't like completely emptied my board so it was a little bit of a waste <laughs> and i threw them away too too quickly without getting like a lot of damage in, or damage or getting a lot of dice so lesson lesson learned um <laughs> you know just hold off wait a little bit uh and the the monks kind of become very powerful in uh, in the late game not in turn yeah. one or two yeah. So I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, but it's okay. I managed to uh, get a few nice combos. I also put my my units like right up to the um, to the objectives. Um, and since he had, uh, since I, I I was 
kind of had my archers in terrain covering a lot of the objectives. He couldn't get close to it with his cavalry without being shot off. So he was, he was hesitating, and I was kind of racking up points from objectives from turn two onwards. In the end, I managed to get a few really good combos. I managed to get kind of like the holy grail of the uh, the Polish board, which is um, doing terror of the e uh, terror of the east. So that's charging in your opponent's turn uh, with my hearth guard, my six hearth guard on his six hearth guard. His hearth guard did have one uh, fatigue on them from a prior combat, and then I used the um, the schlachta, which is a melee ability. And basically, it means that if my armor is higher than his armor, then his attack dice suffer minus one penalty. So basically, I did uh, the clash, which means I always start off with the clash. So it means like he cannot play any more abilities, right. yeah. advanced or anything else. He can use my fatigue, but I came in fresh, so it didn't matter. So I played that. Um, and then I did Schlachter, or I used his fatigue to increased my arm to six and you played schlechter so he had a minus one to hit me so he couldn't hit me and then basically um that was a good time <laughs> so um like i was pretty proud of myself there <laughs> but um like uh in the end i think i had hardly anything left i think i had uh some levy uh two monks and some heavy weapon guys but uh, he was very kind, actually, on the last turn. He reminded me I could do a move with my Warlord and uh, right. deny, <laughs> deny uh, I think, about three points uh, of his objectives. So it was either I was going to charge his, his uh, crossbowman and hope to kill some, and that way get, uh, get, get the points, or um, I was going to just move my Warlord out of the way and guarantee that he wasn't going to score anything. So... Um, we that basically meant we went from a draw to me winning slightly. I think it was like 30, 28, 32 or something like that. So Robin is, is always a gentleman. He also had one roll where he basically rolled 10 dice, of which eight were ones. And he took that like a, a complete gentleman. So <laughs> he's no, like, <laughs> no, no, he was very, very calm. So he's a yeah he's like super uh, super nice guy uh, to play against always very calm super like he's too too nice I feel like I, I kind of took advantage of him by doing that so you, you, uh, I mean I, th I remember you saying you felt kind of bad but he didn't mind at all like he was like I'm just I guess that's just who I am <laughs> I talked to him afterwards and he was like yeah it's okay yeah so <laughs> it, must admit it did it did eat me up afterwards a little bit so yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically two wins for the uh, the activation uh, crew. Hell yeah! So uh, starting off, starting off strong. Yeah. So ah. second one was uh, Sacred Crown uh, Ground, which is it also has um, the L deployment, but lots lots of things going on here, right? The there's a big, uh, large open hill in the middle with a uh, with a marker on it. And then the first terrain piece has to be a small piece that each player picks, and it has to be further away than L from your own side of the battlefield. And you, this also counts as an objective. So you get points for holding um, your opponent's uh, sacred ground or the objective in the middle on the on the on the on the open hill, but not for defending your own. But you just deny your opponent uh, points for defending your own. 
And that's that's basically the idea. You deploy within uh, L of your site, but more than medium away from the open hill in the middle. So uh, you basically can't deploy inside the sacred ground you've put down. You could potentially deploy in the sacred ground your opponent puts down if they put it far enough into your site, but why would they? Um, and then you kind of, the deployment kind of has like a dent in the middle where it's too close to um, to the to the open hill. Uh, do you do you feel like that's that's a fair um, that's a fair description of the scenario? Do you, am I missing anything, JP? Uh, no, I think that's uh, that's correct. I mean, basically, you score. You don't have to be inside the, the sacred ground. You just it's like scoring an objective, so you just have to be within very short of it. That's right. Yeah, and also so to deny, uh, yeah, you only have to be within yeah. short of it, right? Uh, short, yeah. And then you obviously have to um, either generate a dice or not be exhausted. So. Um, there's actually a large portion of the board which is either denying or scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think you you almost uh, I I think it's you don't have you can't be exhausted, and you can't and you still have to generate a die and you can't be a mercenary. <laughs> so it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah that's that's thing. Anyway, um, for that one. I uh, I played Alberto with his own pagan people, so there ended up being a mirror match, and he had his um, he had his hearth guard, a six stack of hearth guard on with with heavy weapons, and I had them with my with the javelins again, and like the 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 question for both pagan people player players was, do I put a piece of terrain into my into my deployment? I was the second player, unfortunately, so. The question was, do I put a piece of terrain into my deployment zone so that first turn I can teleport into my opponent's terrain uh, to kind of stop, start denying that? And I was so, so scared that he was going to put his six hearth guard into his, into his, he put a small forest into his own deployment zone to be able to teleport, that he put his six hearth guard in there and teleported because he was the first player into my terrain piece, turn, turn one, because I think it was a ruin. Um, and I don't think I would have ever been able to get those guys out of there, but he ended up not doing that and teleporting six warriors instead, I think. And luckily I had the big 12 stack of warriors that I, I mean, I kind of expected him to teleport into there. And so I had them set up between like being able to, with two activations to get into the train, to beat up whoever teleports in there or get to the large hit in the middle to start scoring. Um, as as soon as possible, and so yeah, he ended up teleporting six of his warriors into my sacred ground. So that forced me to put my warriors, my twelve stack um, of melee warriors, into into the into my terrain into my terrain as well. And um, I I basically put everything I had into that attack. So they they had a fatigue because I shot twice, I think. And my, my guys were generating 11 dice because of the banner, and then four extra dice for, uh, for that activation that gives four extra dice, and then extra dice because the enemy has a fatigue, and an extra automatic hit because the enemy has a fatigue. I think I spent like six out of my seven saga dice just on that one melee to make sure these guys leave, and then th this objective can be mine, um, and it ended up working. I kicked them, I, I wiped them out of there, and then used my scouts free movement to walk in there and um, block off the, the the train so they can teleport he can teleport in there again and then the game was basically just about who can um, who can 
yeah, hold them the the large hill in the middle better. And I mean, my hearth guard are on horses with javelins, and so I thought I can definitely do that much better than his hearth guard with heavy weapons. And that actually ended up being the case. I think it took me um, at the end of my second turn. I think I had killed his six hearth guard with just with shooting, because shooting twice, even like even getting a fatigue on my on my hearthguard wasn't really that big of a deal because I had so many activations because it's a six man of six man hearthguard unit. I can I can activate them with the great um, top right ability of the pagan people, and so that was uh, that was really brutal. And once his hearthguard were gone, there was basically no threat whatsoever to fight my twelve stack of warriors, and that meant that I had that game in the back, and he could not really do anything about it. He was like, damn. That's mind-blowing. Have a 12-stack of warriors, even though you can't activate it that well, is so good with the pagan people. I, sh I should have been doing that. And I think he, he, he took that away. Uh, he, he took that from that game and changed his army composition for uh, not for the next game, but for future games. And so it was a, it was a great game in Alberta. We had lots of fun. Um, there was also a... Yeah, the... the the, the dice rolling was, I think, was very average throughout the game. There was one, one where uh, I think I rolled really well with my scouts, um, but I don't think that decided the game. Him not teleporting the the hearth guard into my piece of terrain, I think, saved my bacon because I I'm pretty sure I could have never gotten those guys out of there. So, um, great game, and I I appreciated it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, cool. So I was playing against a relative, I think, a, a new player, uh, Eric. He was playing uh, Levantine Crusaders. So he had a, a unit of the Pilgrims split into two units of six. Uh, three, sorry, four points of um, Warriors, one mounted, one, uh, two with uh, two points with bows, and then one point just with uh, kind of on foot no special equipment and then uh, four mounted hearth guard and his warlord mounted so he was actually he's i'm pretty sure he's a veteran war gamer and he saw i had horses so he put down a lot of terrain in my deployment zone i think i had a swamp i had some rocky ground stuff like that so it was a kind of a congested deployment zone um and i think i was the first here so I um, didn't really have that much choice where to deploy. I just put as much as possible in the middle with my infantry in the middle. because so I was like, well, they're going to get shot. So I don't really care if, uh, if my monks get shot, use them as a screen and put it um, and kind of shield off uh, my heavy weapon warriors from all of the shooting and then just kind of put them on the objective and just keep them there and score. So, uh, and then I managed to put on one flank, which I kind of like the flank I wanted to control. I managed to put uh, some some rocky ground, and I gave put I gave him the 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 what's it called the sacred ground as being like a swamp. So he was going to go in it with his cavalry or anything like that, and he was also not going to get any uh, benefit of cover or line of sight blocking or anything like that. So I thought that was a relatively good one to have because uh, then I could just shoot my archers across uh, the swamp into his guys um, and then that's basically what happened this turn he was a little bit uh, like he's a, he was a new player but he was like 
pretty switched on about what he was doing and everything else. Um, and he got up straight away and captured the, the sacred ground and kind of le left it just out of range of my archers. And then um, since I had, uh, I, I was the, I think I was second, no, maybe I was second player. I think I was second player uh, because I had like three, three dice on my board, uh, of which Terror of the East. He left his warlord out in the open, uh, and then I managed to charge his warlord with um, my mounted warriors, wiped it out, I think in turn one or two. And he was like a little bit shocked, and then he obviously loses his dice and loses the determination and everything else. So for him, it was a little bit of an upward battle from that point. Um, I also got pretty uh, lucky. I think he charged me with his hearth guard at some point into my warriors, mounted warriors, and basically did maybe one or two like it was like a perfect trade basically i just had i think i had the clash up so i i played that so he lost out on all of his abilities and then he lost like two hearth guard and then i lost two warriors or something in the melee so overall i had like some very very advantageous um uh, uh, trades and then i also managed to basically have like the clash up every single time deny all of his abilities in melee and so it was like a little bit frustrating for him uh, but pretty good in the end, and uh, basically I just learned from my my mistake earlier, and shoved up my uh, my monks later in the game, and started just like getting them massacred in like th turns three, four, and five, getting like a ton of dice. And then I also noticed with the with fanatical pilgrims, like sometimes you just lose track of time. You're like, oh, I've charged like fifteen times this turn, and. <laughs> um, and, it, and you're only like on turn three or something and you're like oh surely it's the end of the game by now but um yeah they're just such such powerful unit also with the um like some of the changes in faq uh or the new rulebook in 2022 where you can activate the ability or your advanced ability once a turn um like and, and trigger it once once per turn as well so that makes like the the clash and um Stuff like that, like incredibly powerful, basically, because you just activate it. You put the dice on your turn, play it in your opponent's turn, and then blow it up again with um, uh, the monks, and then etc. So it's like just constantly using it and shutting down everything that your opponent wants to do. So I managed to win that one relatively well. I think again, like around thirty-two or something. He didn't manage to score a single point with uh, with the objectives because I was just kind of holding on with my units and denying him points uh, from my sacred ground he was also not getting points for his sacred ground and I was just holding the center so overall uh, another win and then also managed to kill his warlord so hell yeah was, yeah so I was like uh, I was all I wanted to do with the Polish was just to win <laughs> one game yeah. Uh, so I was, so I was like, ah, two wins and two warlord kills. So doing pretty well. So fucking, um, fucking overachiever, man. I know, I know, <laughs> but I, I got, I was like, okay, as long as I don't play against Byzantines or pagan peoples, I'll be okay. Or like, um, I guess, like, ah, I think Spanish would be okay because you can just kind of charge them with terror of the east. So, um, then, uh, yeah. So that was uh, pretty good. And then let's talk about the third scenario. Yeah, by the way, I ended, also ended up killing the opponent's warlord. So yes, cool. 
uh, last scenario and my hardest game by a lot, I think. Um, so I guess that the Swiss tournament style works. That's crazy. So anyway, um, last one is called Rule the Battlefield. And it's a basically a quarter one where, you, where it's about having more units than your opponent in each quarter of the of the battlefield so yeah basically uh, a quadrant and then also you have to stay m away from all the board edges yeah that's right yeah and your and unit has to be you get wholly within uh the, the yeah wholly within so can't, not like can't yeah. Split, yeah and you also get bonus for having more infantry guys or yeah, that's more right. infantry yeah. units than your opponents and you also get bonus for being in your opponent's deployment quadrant so a lot of this one was a little bit of a difficult one to get your head around but once you uh once you've played it once or twice i think it it comes pretty natural and it feels pretty uh, like it's, it's a really fun one i i felt like this was my favorite favorite scenario honestly yes you have to read it twice to like actually understand the 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 scoring but when it when it's it felt so good to play that one because it's so rewarding to move around and it's so rewarding to have um to to be aggressive and try to go through the middle right into your opponent's deployment zone to kind of contest that and the the whole thing where you can't be where you have to be wholly within the quadrants also felt so good because the like precision mattered and it it was rewarded so highly um because i mean also, <laughs> having your guys die tactically felt like the whole thing just felt so good uh, to to play. So I think that was I think that was my favorite one. And for this one, you um, you deploy in a like from corner to corner. So you split the split the the battlefield into into two halves diagonally, and then you uh, deploy medium away from the that middle line so as i said before you are also like large away from your opponent so for this one i played into miguel um he had his militus christi with um two times six hearth guard which is very intimidating on horses of course and then his wallet on horse and then uh he had some warriors with uh on foot and some warriors on with crossbows and uh, and the uh, the I'm, I forgot what they're, what they're called the mercenaries with the composite bows. Are they called like yeah turkopoles? I was saying I was about to say Turkish archers, but yeah, I guess turkopoles. Yeah. Um, and so yes, he. I mean yes, I could I could teleport around, and so I ended up teleporting into just I put down terrain in places that were further away from M and M from the. The, the side, but so that they might, all the terrain um, allowed me to hold all four uh, quadrants if I wanted to, but I could never ever leave that terrain because his heart guard will just wipe me, no problem. And this one, I, he, this guy is a, is crazy. He is a maniac. He, uh, I started teleporting into the terrain and from turn, from his turn one, he started running into the train with his hearth guard to keep on wiping my small units that teleport in there because of course when it's the first activation of the turn and or even the second and his his hearth guard tele uh, just 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 run into ter into, into the terrain um 
I think once I, I teleported too close to a six sack of his hearth god on, on, on horses, and he just had to activate them once to get into the rain, and he got one fatigue. Woohoo, it didn't really matter to wipe my six warriors, that was still good enough. And that was crazy. I've never I never expected that, and that made the game so interesting because that guy was so unpredictable that I never knew if he was just gonna take two extra fatigues to to um, kind of charge my five stack of warriors with his six hard guard. Of course it's a good trade because he usually doesn't lose anything. And I usually lose a die and the control of that of that um, of that quadrant. And so we fought a lot in his his deployment zone and the, the the like the neutral zones on the side and my deployment zone was kind of untouched. And I think I also got pretty lucky by because he tried to again charge into terrain into the terrain to kill my scouts. And my scouts I always of course I always used his fatigue to keep my guys alive and then didn't ended ended up not using his fatigue anymore when I wanted him to stay put there. And when I wanted to shoot that unit next turn. Um, so my scouts they were uh, fought down to just six guys, which is enough because it's uh, six six levies, and they still generated me a saga die for the rest of the game. So that's very lucky because at the end it was just a grind fest of who could uh, <laughs> who could take away more saga dice from the opponent to make those units not count for scoring anymore, and um, that was it was very important. And also I think the on the second second. Second to last turn, I only had three saga dice, but like five units smaller than um, than six, or exactly at six, and I had a rare, so that gave me five more saga dice to load up my board and be super powerful in a turn where he didn't expect me to be super powerful. And so I edged out a win on this one, ended up killing his warlord, losing my own warlord, but it was all worth it. Insanely cool game. He was, I just want to say it again, he was crazy. And I loved it, and we had tons of fun. And if just one or two things had gone differently, and I had done uh, had had made one more mistake, I think he had it in the bag. And so, Militus Christi, oof, tough one, great gaming girl. Thank you. Yeah, so I was playing against uh, James, so I uh, against a pagan pl people player. So I was uh, not looking forward to that, but relatively familiar with the pagan people. So. Um, I put as little terrain down as possible. <laughs> uh, I had like a small, I think I, put, I had like a small woods in, like he put a small woods in, in, in like my backfield, like way in the, the corner. Um, and then one ruins, uh, on the right and a rocky ground on the left. And then like a big, uh, basically a, a large wood right up to the uh the like right on the edge of the deployment zone in the middle and he basically put uh most of his war band into there so he took one point of levy with javelin split into two units of six uh one point of hearthguard with heavy weapons a priest and uh three points of warriors split into one unit of 12 warriors with bows and then two units of six warriors just with uh like no special equipment he kind of split up his force uh, most of it uh, except for the six points or sorry six levies with spear with javelins and six warriors with uh, no special equipment were kind of hidden away in ruins to the side and um, yeah so basically i was trying to not get shot 
there was not a lot of yeah it's always difficult because like i didn't want to put down any train and then that means basically i get shot but at least i don't get teleported behind me and he scores and everything else <laughs> so it's a little bit of a difficult difficult choice but yeah the first few turns i had to cross the gap and um basically get shot up so i think by the time i actually reached his kind of like his little tree line my uh warriors with heavy weapons were whittled down to something like three warriors or something three or four warriors so it's not very potent force anymore <laughs> to try and and charge into terrain and and try and beat someone up uh but yeah his his little group of, of small warriors and, and uh, levy, which were deployed to the side, he was try he was had to move them out of the ruins to get uh, into a scoring position. So basically, there I had my Terror of the East loaded up on my um, my mounted warriors, and then I charged them in his turn. After I, I saw that he didn't have anything on his board, charged them into his six levies, hoping to be able to just murder them and uh, put fatigue on the remaining six warriors and it's kind of disappointing when you charge in eight um, eight warriors into like your javelin levy guys uh, play the clash uh, so they can't play anything and then only kill four levies so that's a little bit disappointing <laughs> great <laughs> great yeah i was like oh thanks guys but it is terror of the east so it means that um, you do it in your opponent's turn as kind of like the last thing that that yeah. they do and then that way you're not so exposed. So that was good. So I didn't lose any any warriors. So I was still kind of dominating the right hand side. He had two levies left, so he's down a dice already. So I charged, I rested them, charged the warriors, also wiped them out. Um, so I was feeling pretty good about that flank, but in the middle I was just getting decimated by all of the uh, the twelve man shooting, which is unfortunate. Um, it also kind of split up my levy archers into like a unit of six and a unit of, um, uh, what is it, 12? <laughs> um, yeah, math's hard. Um, <laughs> and then the, the unit of six, I just placed them so that the wood was, I think actually maybe seven. Uh, I needed seven to completely block out the small wood so that he could not land anywhere uh, within the very uh, kind of outside of very short of my units and inside or touching the terrain uh, So I, I felt pretty good about that, but it did mean that the unit of, of uh, archers was just outside of the Like the scoring terrain, so I was not scoring anything with them But I was also just not like he was also not scoring anything By being able to teleport things into my um, kind of like the, right. the most valuable quadrant in the back um, So Basically, what happened was I ended up charging my fanatical pilgrims into his units, his 12 man of uh, warriors with bows. Did absolutely nothing for about two or three things, but managed to fatigue him, lost most of my monks, got loads of dice. And that way I could just keep charging my mounted warriors um, and, and wiping out some of his uh, things. Finally, um, I decided to, uh, to t risk it and start scoring with my levy who was kind of like blocking the uh blocking the the small wood and he immediately capitalized that on that and teleported his surprise um, <laughs> he, he teleported his um his warlord and uh he also just like landed it and then tried charging my levy again and fluffed 
So uh, um, I got pretty lucky there and he just finished just outside of the, uh, the woods and then just within 12 inches of my larger levy shooting unit. And then I got super lucky because he was already fatigued. Um, and then I basically shot, had to shoot him twice to, uh, to put the last wound on him. And then uh, he lost his warlord there. But yeah, basically he was still dominating. I don't think I killed, I think I killed like one of his warriors from his large warrior block. And that's it. And then uh, wiped off the flanks, but I was focused on the um, just scoring. So managed to, uh, to scrape by, um, and, and we actually got a, uh, I think a perfect draw. I think it was like 28, 28 uh, in the end, but uh, there was hardly anything left on the board. Um, I'd just used my uh, hearth guard to score because I didn't want to get anywhere close to the uh, the 12 12 man shooting units because uh, they were my hearth guard was just going to get murdered. So they were a very expensive unit for just scoring, but that's okay. So in the end, uh, two wins, two warlord kills, and one draw. So pretty happy with that's the result. Pretty good score, man. Yeah, hell yeah. Especially with so, Polish when he wanted to get one win. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's also so very interesting uh, that, you, that you didn't have to use the five-point uh, Hearthguard army that um, Bjorn uh, won the last tournament with. What do you? What do you? Do you want to say something about that? Yeah, that was uh, too powerful. I, I didn't want to go full OP. I, I see. Yeah. Five-Hearthguard. Uh, five okay, Polish army, but I'm cool. pretty happy about my uh, my army. Had a lot of fun. I did only use maybe half the board um, of the Polish. So like my my complaints about the Polish board stands. I think it really fo forces you to um, to focus on the basics though, and get mm -hmm. lucky and not play Byzantines or <laughs> peoples too much. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, overall, the um, just just uh, quickly, I think. Uh, the, the third place ended up going to UJP. So well done on that with 15 points, uh, two wins, one draw, and two, two hero kills, uh, two warlock kills, sorry. Uh, the second place ended up going to me um, with three wins and two warlord kills. And by like five massacre points, fuck this, uh, excuse my French, Timo uh, took the first place with, two, with three wins and two warlord kills. And yeah, as I said, like five, uh, five victory or massacre points more than I scored. And he had, he was playing Spanish, and he did he did really well. And so this it is tradition. Timo just wins these Dutch tournaments like it's a Sunday picnic. Yeah, he, uh, I don't mind because he's very basically as soon as I put a tournament up on T three. <laughs> like before I even announce it, he's just like boom, signed up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and uh, obviously, he Timo is a top, like uh, incredibly good, but always, always very friendly player that I think is well respected in the Dutch and also the German community, and people know him by now. And so I'm, I'm very happy for uh, for my fellow German, but just that doesn't matter as much. But just for this very, like very good player and nice player to have won another one of uh, the Dutch tournaments. And thanks again to uh, Rutger for, um, for hosting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is the third, third tournament he's won in Netherlands. I think so, one was uh, in, one was in the, uh, was, one was, one was in Belgium, right? Not in Netherlands directly. 
Arm Amber. He wins a lot of tournaments. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so pretty happy about the third place. Um, that was uh, actually very very like unexpected, unexpected. So pretty happy about it. I'm not sure I'm going to take the Polish to like a next tournament. Um, like it was pretty ex like it felt like a uphill battle constantly, and I lucked out with like some good matchups. So that's not great. Yeah, it it felt pretty 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 exhausting. So I might I might go with uh, back to my pagan peoples or something like that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we'll see. Anyway, I I really enjoyed the scenarios. A lot of the feedback from the players was also that they enjoyed the scenarios. Yeah. They were sufficiently different. Like it did, re it really does reward the people who've practiced it a bunch. But I think that's only natural for a tournament. Mm -hmm. um, like it, I don't think that that's inherently wrong with a with a tournament. I think we had a really nice mix of like some veterans and also some new players uh, rocking up. Uh, everyone seemed to to have a good time, and we had a pretty good mix with like. I think for the first time we had something like over 50% Dutch people. So slowly Dutch people are actually uh, turning up to tournaments. So that's really good. It's really cool, yeah. And I take it back, you're right. Uh, Bjorn, Bjorn won that, uh, won that uh, tournament in the uh, Benelux Grand Melee 2022 in Leopoldsburg, right? Not Timo. So yeah, take it back. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But I think Timo won the, the previous years, the Antiquity one. This ah, I see, I see. And then he won my first tournament in Delft uh, with the, the, the Machine Gun Irish. And then he won <laughs> yeah, this one, so three. But, uh, anyway. Cool. Cool. That's it, right? Uh, that's yeah, uh, it's overall a great tournament. Loved the, the as you just said, the, loved the scenarios. 10 out of 10 will take them for my, um, for my own tournament as well. And I'm looking forward to kind of uh, seeing what else the Polish do because I thought I I, I, I felt like the, <laughs> the for the 2022 uh, Grand Melee Poland I think they did something w which I was kind of skeptical of but this is insane work and I'm looking forward to seeing more like this yep absolutely cool thanks everyone for listening and uh, speak to you soon yes cheers thank you bye bye